Welcome to the Doctoral Mentoring Masterclass for faculty sponsored by Walden University's Office of Research and Doctoral Services. I'm Lee Stallander, the Associate Director of Faculty Research Training at Walden. I hope you enjoy the Masterclass. All right, hello and welcome to Walden University's fourth Doctoral Mentoring Masterclass for faculty who mentor professional doctoral projects. The master classes are designed to allow faculty who have been identified as exceptional mentors to share their experiences and insights with the mentoring community. Today's session will be working with committee members. The purpose of this class is to have professional doctoral mentors discuss how they work with other faculty on committees. The goal for today's session is to provide a list of usable strategies for mentors to understand the basics of mentoring. So on the line today, I'm going to go to our title page here with everyone's fabulous pictures. We have Dr. Lee Statlander. She will be moderating throughout today's session. We have Dr. Robert McWirt. We have Dr. Gary Kelsey. And finally, we have Dr. Raj Singh. And at this point, I'm going to th turn things over to Dr. Lee Statlander to get things started. Welcome, Dr. Statlander. Thank you, Lita. Thank you for everything you do. It's a lot behind the scenes. I am Lee Stoutlander, and I'm the coordinator of faculty research training in ORDS. So let's introduce our panel members. Uh, Bob, you want to start? Yes, ma'am. My name is Bob McWork. I am one of the program coordinators with the DMP here at Walden. I also have the privilege of being one of the first graduates from that program when it started. I've been with Walden for about eight years, uh, most of it contributing. Uh, and when I retired after being a VP of a hospital for way too long, I came on board and uh, have been a program coordinator since then. My specialty and background is in executive leadership, and I'm responsible for the executive leadership track as well as the generic DMP. Okay. Gary? Good day, everyone. My name is Gary Kelsey. I am currently a senior contributing faculty and faculty emeritus in the School of Public Policy and Administration. In January, I'll start my 28th year with the university, and I've been fortunate to play lots of different roles over those years within the university, but currently love working with my students as chair. I'm currently chairing 14 students, about half of those in our, in our PhD program, and about half in our Doctor of Public Administration, our DPA program. And of course, I'm second committee member in about 20 more committees in addition to that, and love working with my faculty colleagues and of course with our students. Raj? Raj Singh, uh, welcome everyone. Uh, I've been with Walden since 2004 and I'm the core faculty member in the Public Policy Administration program. And I supervise both uh, PhD students as well as DPA students. Currently I have 10 PhD students and eight DPA students. I truly enjoy working with our students. It has been a great experience and looking forward to working with our students. Very good. Let's start with kind of explaining to us about how that project that the students do fits into the professional doctorate. Sorry. Um, so is it a particular type of projects that they are supposed to do? Whatever. Anybody want to start? You want me to go first, Lee? Sure. I can do that. Well, in our program, in public administration, pro administration program, it has been a problem that is faced by a public or nonprofit organization. And students have to articulate 
why it is an important and significant problem within the context of the organization or greater community. So that's basically the framework that they have to follow to come up with their problem statement in the public administ administration program. And maybe I can add on to that since Raj and I are in the same school, that it indeed is applied research, right? This is research that will result in a deliverable or some kind of an outcome that will be given to the client organization that the student chooses based on what the needs are of that organization. So it's applied research at its best. Yeah, nursing pretty much mimics the exact same thing. We're taking the latest evidence and we're applying it to three major areas, staff education, quality improvement as well as developing clinical practice guidelines, which were very, very big post-COVID as we went into a new environment with things like telemedicine, whatever. A lot of our projects led the way in um, telemedicine and implementation of new protocols. Cool, very nice. So how do the second committee members fit into the project idea? <coughs> Are they involved at all with that? Or is it just you and the student mainly concentrating on that part? So for now, uh, the way it works for now is that the chair is responsible to supervise the PAS, a professional administrative study, with the support of SCM. It may change in the future, but for now, chair is primary person uh, who the students deal with. And of course, they can always contact a committee member or SCM as well, but the chair is the primary person that really is responsible to guide and uh, help the students go through the process with the support of the uh, committee member. Now, in some cases, I ask, for example, second committee member to provide any guidance, especially in areas where I may need some help, or for example, some of them might be really excellent in methodology or content areas, so I definitely ask for help along the way but the chair is primary person who is responsible to supervise the study and help his students get through with the support of the committee member. The second committee member may also be a content expert. I know, and I'm a second committee member currently in a committee with Dr. Singh. And in that case, uh, the student is working with a nonprofit organization. I have a significant background in that, as does he. But in that case, we work maybe a little more closely together to help the student define that project and what our expectations are of them. Yeah, I think it's key to jump off of what uh, Gary said. When we get the committee members involved at the very onset, it really does help move the student along. I mean, a part of our mission is to keep the student moving forward in doing their projects. And by getting the committee member involved, having them up front, it does make the assessment of the document a whole lot easier as we take the journey. So I know one of the things that I try to do as chair, um, which is most of what my role is, is I get the committee member right, right at the very beginning. They get an email from me, welcome them to the committee saying, thanks for serving with me on this. This is what this is about. Um, I, I disclose my weaknesses if there is any in the area, especially if they're all clinical but it's an opportunity to be able to say, this is what we're looking at doing. And I share that stuff from the very beginning with the committee member. So rapid engagement is key, no doubt about it. How much interaction do you have with the organization that the student's working with? Do you contact them or anything like that? In, in nursing does, we do right up front. We yeah. have to, we have a, in order to get their site approval, we meet with their faculty representative, their facility representative there and that has got to be the person that will sign and allow them to do the project there. We set the timelines with them. 
Um, they get a chance to see the stakeholder analysis that we do, the organizational readiness for the project to be implemented. And then at that point, the student goes. And then they come back at the very end for the review of the executive summary and the deliverable. And the students present the deliverable. And that's usually the chair, the member, and anybody. We had one just yesterday where there were nine people from the organization wanted to attend it. They were so proud of the student. And so they attended it to see the deliverable. So it is a big deal. In, in my case, in all these years, uh, I generally am not involved with the students and the org client or we call a client organization. In one instance, though, I was because the student was relatively new again to the nonprofit sector. And he wanted me to meet with a member of the client organization to really define what that product or that deliverable, as Bob mentioned, was going to be. So we kind of met together to kind of clarify that amongst the three of us. But in my case, generally not involved. Yeah, so same here, like Dr. Kelsey's experience, uh, it is very rare for me to be involved with the organization. But in some cases, I would say over the years, maybe three or four cases where uh, organizations want to communicate, they want to send an email and confirm that, you know, student is working with me and uh, wants to work on a problem in the organization and how this is going to work and things like that. So I respond to that. But it's not common where, uh, I get involved with the organizations in general, but I have had some occasions where I had to deal with them and get the agreement going for the students to pursue their study. So how do you work with the second committee member, like with the prospectus? Do you meet with them? Is it all done by email or task stream or whatever? I think we all work a bit differently, perhaps, with a lot of similarities at the same time. I know for me, I usually am the first point of contact with students on their prospectus, but obviously because we are a team, at some point um, I will say to the students, you know, I think this is this is looking pretty good now. We're getting pretty close to a real viable study here. Please do contact your second committee member and share it with them and get that input. And if need be, the three of us could meet by Zoom or telephone. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. So similar to that, as a chair, especially I work with these students to come up with a draft prospectus and then I share with the committee member, get their feedback and help the students to finalize the prospectus. Any differences with the proposal as to how you work with the student? And the second committee member, I guess. That's interesting. And I think this goes back to Bob's early point about a kind of an under shared understanding between the chair and the second committee member and how they're going to work together. I know some chairs do not, they want to make sure they're okay with it first before a proposal, for instance, or a later document goes to the second committee member. Some chairs are like, fine, share it with both of us at the same time. For me, I'd like to see it initially and be involved in initial stages so the second committee member doesn't have to read it when it's really just beginning to be drafted. So when it gets near to being viable, either prospectus or proposal or the final, in our case, professional administrative study, um, then I would say, you know what, please do share it with them because they may have some insights that I don't have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We do the same thing and that allows them to make the comments on it. But I will, I will tell you, Lee, the other thing that's an advantage and, and I'm sure my colleagues will agree, is when you have that student that may not be progressing, and I've read the same document 50 times, and I can't seem to move them to the next step, then I call for backup. And I'll say to the, the member, can you engage now? I really need you to take a look at this for a second set of eyes. I'm missing something. Not, I mean, as faculty, I, I think you got to put your ego aside. 
and, and say, I'm missing something here. And I could use another set of eyes to take a look at this. And I can tell you, in most of the times that I've done that, uh, our, our committee members are amazing. They'll come through and put it out of the park for me. And they'll once they get me steering again, then we can get the paper moving forward and get it done. But yeah, that's what they're there for. I agree. Completely yeah. agree. So similar to my colleagues, I work with a student, come up with a draft proposal, and then get uh, feedback from the second committee member to move forward. Turn it around for you. If you are the second committee member, what are you expecting from the student and chair? Anything different? I look for the contact. I want some kind of contact at the beginning. And, and and unfortunately, it's a type A personality that I have. If I don't get it, I'm going looking for it. But I mean, I want to make contact to say, I'm here. I notice I always send a welcome to the student as well. When mm -hmm. I get appointed to a committee, I'm Bob, I'm your committee member. I'll be under the direction of your chair. What mm -hmm. that does is it sets the expectations that they know their primary communication is going to be with the chair. So that when the chair, as Gary said, says, go ahead and reach out to your member. I'm not a stranger to them. They've already know who I am. And at that point, when they reach out, they're like, hey, Dr. Bob, I want to throw this by you because Dr. Gary said you should take a look at this. I got it. And then we send everything back. And it it, it is a nice relationship. It's a team. I mean, mm -hmm. I think what the word that needs to really be incorporated in all this is it is a team. And the only way it's going to succeed is if the team moves together. And that's what we try to promote, and at least in, in the nursing part. Yeah, nice. I agree. I think another couple of things I... I will often say if there's something I'm either a bit troubled by or not sure about, that's when I'll say, hey, please call Dr. McWhorter, Dr. Singh, and get their feedback on this particular piece of this to see what they think. And then we'll talk about it. There are other times where um, I may defer to the chair. I may think I have an idea about something, but I may say, this is my idea, but I don't feel strongly about it. So I'll defer to the chair. And if need be, maybe you and I and the chair should talk about this together on the phone or on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, similar to my colleagues here, I let the students know that if they need my help, I'm always there to help and support. Uh, but please let your chair know that you are trying to get hold of me and work with me. I'm happy to help and support. So uh, we have broad latitude really to work with our students to make sure they succeed. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you what I don't leave, what I don't want to see happen? Um, I've learned this way back then, is that I don't want the student to get so far in working with me on a, a let's say a proposal where then by the time they turn it over to the second committee member they know nothing about it they've never seen anything and suddenly and they're like whoa wait a minute here I, I see this issue this issue this issue right we want to make sure that we deal with these things that more organically along the way so that by the time the student gets to certain benchmarks that we are working as that team and we are in kind of a synergy about what direction the student's going in and that does help us keep in line with the prospectus mm -hmm. as we're going through the proposal by having that member engaged, they keep you honest. And, you know, a lot of times some things will change as the student gets into a proposal that it may deviate a little bit from the prospectus. You want that member involved in that because you're trying to regroup as a team. That's a good point. Yeah, also I found uh, sometimes what happens is that students make a proposal, but then, uh, you know, some things have changed. For example, their samples or the, uh, sample selection. So then I make sure that the committee members are involved, or I like to be involved when something like that happens, a major switch in uh, uh, proposal or the study they might be doing. So that's uh, definitely 
where I would like to be involved with the committee and as a committee member, but I let, as a chair, let them know as well. So uh, where are you as far as working with the second committee member on the final document? So are you expecting them to have seen those chapters perhaps, you know, before they take a look at the whole thing? Are you expecting that they'll probably just see the final document after it's written? Well, so see what happens is that that once they have got the proposal done, right? So the, after the proposal, I make sure that they have the IB approval and I keep committee members uh, advised that they have received the IB approval and get on to the data collection. And uh, if need be, I keep them apprised as well that you know data collection is uh, going on and this is uh, what's happening with the final study. But then again, work with them with the, come up with a draft uh, of the uh, document. And then I ask committee members, second committee member to uh, give provide feedback or help in any other way if that is there's something lacking and then go from there until uh, you know, until they have provided the feedback, I basically hold on and get some feedback. Like Dr. Kelsey, we are working together. So we are, with a student, I got the final document and he provided the feedback and student got it all done. So went back to him and he said, well, we are ready to go. So this is really how I do it. It probably does, as Bob mentioned earlier, vary by faculty member. For me, when a student, um, our professional doctors, uh, they don't have chapters, they have sections, but they're like chapters. So our, our sections four and five are our findings, and then section five is conclusions and recommendations, paralleling a dissertation. And what I like to do is when a student has a good draft of section four, the findings, let's just say from their interviews, then I do want the second committee member to look at that particular chapter because I don't want to wait to have, I'm sorry, sections, sections four and five done before the second committee member sees it. I'd rather there not be any surprises again. So I'd, I'd like the second committee member to have an opportunity to see it even section by section. But again, we're all different. And that's why it's important that we talk to each other at the beginning, as, as uh, Dr. McWord said, about how we're going to work together. Oh, I, I think it's key. For nursing, we have a bifurcated system because we're, we're graduating and teaching out the five chapter model and we've shifted over to a complete project management approach. So there really is no prospectus. They do their project determination with, it's driven by the organization, not by the student. It's then validated and approved and they go through implementing their project. And then there's the final executive summary. So in the new program, the chair, I mean, the member really doesn't see the executive summary until it's written and the chairs had first draft. But we do exactly as Gary said, for the old project, and we still have a fair amount of students, we do four and five, and it's very individual. I, I share more than probably most, that's just me, but others will actually get make sure that it's a little tight, and then they get the member involved, which a lot of the members appreciate, especially when you're contributing faculty and you're working 60 hours a week as a nurse practitioner, and you're doing contributing faculty. It's nice to have that a little bit tighter when they get it, because then they, 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 they put the icing on the cake. How's that? They have a chance to put the icing on the cake and put their expertise in there. And it's great. We're not expecting them to be the foundation of building the house. We want them to put the roof on and we're ready to go. Like it. So what happens when the second committee member does not seem to be doing their job? So you send the paper to them and they send it back in 15 minutes and say, oh yeah, it looks great. I mean, 
what do you do? So uh, based on my experience, uh, I have found that, I mean, I have never really found where students, I mean, the uh, second committee members are not responsive. Uh, but there have been an instance, for example, a member who was not responsive, but I found out by contacting that he had a personal problem to deal with. But that's the only case I can think of uh, where uh, SCM is not responsive when uh, they are needed uh, to participate in uh, these uh, studies. So uh, this is not really something common that I have come across. Our faculty are trained to respond to students uh, work products in a timely manner. So I would say I, I would have just one incidence, but that was a personal problem. Usually I write an email, they respond, or sometimes maybe some problem with the email or something to that effect, but they're really very responsive, generally speaking. But I do contact them if something is not, they're not responding in a timely manner. Lee, I think there's two, que two, two questions to you. One, I think it's that person that is taking too long like in the College of Nursing, we have a five to seven day turnaround on a review. I always send a friendly email on day six. We decided to go above the 14 days and we're using the five to seven. So on day six, if I haven't heard from somebody, I just assume maybe they didn't see it in task stream. We know it's not flawless. Sometimes that email doesn't go out. And I'll say, just in case you missed it, this is pending and it's due tomorrow. I have to tell you, I've not had a single pushback on, in, in eight years on that, number one. But number two is the first scenario you gave is you send it to the committee member and it comes back 10 minutes later. And as Gary said, it's a three section proposal and there's no comments. At that point, I'm realizing, OK, I'm being, I, I need to get more engagement and I'll give a second shot at it. I said, well, I'm going to send this back because I know obviously I might have caught you at a time issue where you weren't able to give the commitment. Please take the next several days and look at this because I'm looking for you in this area, this area and this area. Because the last thing we want is a rubber stamp. We want somebody that's going to take a look at that thing. And then you ask about, okay, and this is the sensitive topic. We get to the point where it comes back and it looks exactly the same. At that point, I go to the coordinators responsible for assigning and say, you need to appoint a new chair. I need somebody to take a look at this. And we do that. And we have done that. And I think that's important that it's not a position that you're locked into if you're not able to do it. And it could be because you're not engaged. But most of the time, as Dr. Singh said, which I think is outstanding, is when you dig into it, you find something's going on. I mean, mom's sick, something's going on with the kids, whatever, and they're getting, they're getting delayed, and they don't necessarily want to ask for help. So we offer it. You give them the help. Let's step out, and we'll have somebody else do this review for you. Then you step right back in. But it's mm -hmm. taking care of the student, but taking care of the faculty at the same time, because we got to look out for our colleagues, and that's what we do. Wow, that's that's really well. That's really well said. I the only thing I'd add is after as long as I've been at the university, um, I, I feel the same way as when I look at our participant list. I know most of the people on that list at this point. And when you get to know your colleagues, and you maybe have been on several committees with them, you have that rapport, that connection, where you almost know how each other works to some extent, or you feel very comfortable contacting them by email, by phone, or whatever, and saying, "Hey, you know, how's it going? I sent this. Did you get it?" Because as uh, Bob said sometimes you know things go in cyberspace and we never see them or once in a while those automatic messages in task stream don't show up so it's good to have those little friendly nudges because we're all here for the same reason but i would say it's because as my colleagues have said it's extremely rare yeah but i think it's important to have a plan that mm -hmm. if you run into it you know what to do 
you know, it's not waiting and waiting and waiting or whatever for it. Correct. So what advice would you give new faculty in working with committee members? Walk a mile in their shoes. Walk a mile in their shoes. Understand what their role is. Um, I don't think, you know, having been a chief nursing officer for 20 some odd years, I never delegated to somebody unless I knew they had the ability to do the job. They were well educated to the role, et cetera. You've got to be open because we have in the DMP program alone, it's one of the largest programs at the university. And so sometimes I may not work with the same faculty for a long time. So it's just kind of refreshing and getting to know who that person is, introducing yourself to them, letting them know you're there. But but I love the title of this pro this program because it talks about mentoring. It's not just mentoring the student. Sometimes as a chair, you got to mentor that new faculty member. And it's it's spending that extra time to say, let me guide you along because you're going to want to be chair someday, or at least we want you to be chair someday. And so let me show you what's there and then share with them what toolboxes we have, things in our toolbox that they can use, like you said, scripts like you're doing today, this mm -hmm. presentation. This is something that will help you figure out what to do. Should the straight path get a little bumped off, it can get you back on your path. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, my, what yeah. I would say to somebody who's new to this is, uh, again, begin like any relationship, begin to form that relationship and that partnership with that other person early. So you can talk about how you work together, how we're going to work with this particular student. Um, and then I also tell a second committee member, especially if it's someone who's new or um, if it's a new committee member and I'm the second committee member, don't be afraid to disagree with me. You know, because I'm certainly not right all the time and that there's there's often more than one way to do things. And I think, you know, again, let's let's really have fun with the exploration part of this as well and show the student that we're humble learners. Hopefully model that for our students as well. Oh, well said. Well said. And I want to add to what my colleagues said about new faculty members. One is to learn the process at Walden about supervising the the studies from beginning, which is a prospectus approval to CAO approval, because uh, the different institutions have different processes. So it's really important to know all the steps they have to go through in the task stream. So they should get familiar with that. And number two is provide feedback in a timely manner, because a lot of traditional schools is okay to wait for a month or two. That could get into lots of issues and problems. Usually they are trained before they become committee members. And then to also communicate with the chair with any concerns or questions about the study or working with a student. So chair basically is familiar with what needs to get done, take actions in a timely manner. So those are the th three thing things I would recommend for second committee members to be familiarized with, especially if they're coming from another, another institution. So when you guys are talking to the second committee member, are you doing it by email or are you picking up the phone and actually talking? Both. I talk to them via phone, uh, email, uh, both ways. Really, uh, it's open to whatever needs to get done. So I talk to committee members. Typically, I prefer talking on the phone, but I also communicate via email. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Can I add one more thing about, about working with a new person? Um, that is it. I found it's helpful to have a conversation with the other faculty member about setting boundaries with students, because sometimes, and I've had new faculty members ask me this, is it okay if the student calls me at midnight on Friday night? 
over because they don't know. So sometimes they're like, no, you know, but they because I think sometimes it's helpful if and I so I say to somebody if they're new, do you have any questions with me about our responsibility in working with students and and what are kind of what are our some good professional academic boundaries that we should have because there are times when I think they just don't know and sometimes they're they can be a little shy about asking so I always ask the question of the new folks anything you want to know that you just are really curious about when working with students that's great yeah excellent point Dr. Kelsey so often I think faculty feel like they should know and so they just kind of make it up as they go right yeah I think it's great to have somebody that they can go to so we are at the point where it'd be great if we had some questions from the audience. If you want to raise your hand, we will open your mic for you. Or you're welcome to put questions or comments in the chat area too. So what do you think, what else do we need to know about working with committee members and maybe thinking about it in terms of working with, you know, your program coordinator or, you know, the associate dean. How do you handle that kind of thing too? For us, I pretty much don't pipe it up unless I have to. Uh, most of the time as chair, you're pretty much the independent leader. Mm -hmm. um, if I get into a conflict, I mean, I have a great team. Um, I have Di Dr. Diane Whitehead as my partner, and I have Dr. Andrea Robertson as my associate dean. They're good sounding blocks. You know, if you hit that wall and you want to make a phone call and just say, I want to talk this out with you. I mean, we have that open relationship. And now that I've met my two colleagues on the on this call, I'd have no problem picking up the phone and talking to either one of them and saying, hey, I hit a wall. What do you think? Um, I, I think sometimes we don't go across colleges, and I think we miss out. Yeah, because just this experience alone reminds me of the expertise that is rampant at Walden University. And we should take advantage of that and not just stay in our cocoon where we're comfortable because it's about process. It's not necessarily about a DMP versus a, a public administration. It's about the process. And if you're running into a process issue and I got somebody like Gary who's been doing this a lot longer than I have. Why would I not pick up the phone and say, hey, can you give me 10 minutes? I want to throw something by you. So, Gary, be prepared. It's coming your way when I get to a problem. But I think that's I'm not sure great. I'll have the right answer, but I'll try. <laughs> yeah, I would say if if I'm understanding your question also correctly, Lee, if I usually if I'm talking with the second committee member at the very beginning of the process, as Bob said, and getting to know each other a little bit, um, we'll generally agree that if there's an issue, the second committee member has a question or an issue, please bring it to the, this seems obvious, but it's, it, it isn't always. Bring it to me first as the chair, and then if we need to escalate it up to the program coordinator or to then the program director, we'll do that. But I, I did have one occasion where a second committee member had an issue and they went to the program director and then the program director called me and it ended up being very messy and very awkward because of course we're at a distance so we can't just walk down the hall and all huddle together in uh, in one of our offices so i say just again discuss how you're going to communicate with each other and then at what point if we have issues do we want to escalate it up yeah yeah, yeah. S same here if any issue comes up i ask committee members to please let me know and let's talk about it and if there's need we can always go to program director associate dean but there is really no need. Uh, we are pretty much independent in supervising our students, helping them succeed. 
So that's how I work. I rarely go to program director. There are some instances, for example, some students may not be completing their uh, studies on time. So I want to make sure um, the associate dean or program director knows about it, things like that. But typically, if the issue comes up with me, SCM, and myself, we discuss and talk and resolve in 99% of the cases. It's very rare to go to uh, associate dean and talk about it. Mm -hmm. We had an interesting question. Um, now that the URR, oh, wait, let me see who it is. It's Heidi Crocker. Now that the URR is not involved in the proposal phase, are you getting the second committee member involved earlier? Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We are. That's yes. That's a great question. And yes, I would say because suddenly I don't know about others who are either listening on this call or the three of us, but four of us, but I do feel a little more, I don't want to say insecure, but now that that URR, that fresh set of eyes is no longer there, I do feel a bit more pressure for the committee to be on our on our toes and do our jobs really well. Not that we shouldn't anyway, but uh, more so now. Yeah. Yeah, as I understand, there's some discussion maybe, who knows, in the future might change about the role of second committee member, but I'm like Dr. Kelsey. I feel like, you know, a second committee member should be more involved and more active in uh, completing the study compared to in the past, but we'll see what happens in the future. We took the job description of the URR and we incorporated components in both the chair and the, the members, and then we did a uh, all- faculty staff meeting and we went over each of those issues and I mean I know I did the chair role and Dr. Whitehead did the member role and explained to them we need that set of eyes and you, these are things you cannot just let go anymore and expect the UR to pick it up and it's it's going over incredibly well and um, I, I think it's it's about structure you put that in a, in a in a structure for them to be able to use as a checklist okay I got to go down this 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 and this and this People rise to the occasion, and and they have, and and um, we've really seen some really good progress. Our CAO rate, you know, I was worried might drop. It is approval rate. It is not. In fact, it's gone up because everybody's eyes are on it, and that's a big step. That's a big step. So, you know, it's for the professional doctorate. It's the way for sure. It's the way to go. I mean, it, it was a smart move, and it's something that uh, it really has caused the rest of the team to unite around the student we're supposed to be student centric that's our game and that's what we're doing we're rallying around the student and it's two people that are putting a full commitment into it now rather than it being divided amongst three so it does work out well awesome that is great advice like elizabeth has her hand up lita could you unmute her hi i also put my question in the um chat uh, as a new faculty member over on the nursing side, I'm worried that I'm not doing my fair share as a second committee member. And of course, it's early in the quarter. But I'm my question is, is should the second um, member always wait for initial contact uh, to originate with the chair? First of all, Dr. Diener, since it's a nursing question, I'm sure my colleagues won't mind me taking this one. First of all, we are incredibly glad that you're here. Your reputation your reputation precedes you. Um, no, I would reach out. I mean, sometimes you got to poke the bear. Um, but I would reach out and let him know that you're here and that this is, you know, you're in your pilot journey at Walden. And that will provide them with that knowledge to get you more engaged. No, you're not behind. 
you're right where everybody else is in week three. Trust me. So you're, you know, you're, you're right on target, but I was really glad to see your question pop up. And uh, again, we're really glad you're here. Well, thank you for, for uh, giving me sort of permission to reach out. I mean, I know everyone's incredibly busy at this time of the quarter and, and that, that I didn't want to be the annoying fly. <laughs> Not a bit. Okay. And if you don't, if you don't mind, if I jump in, the fact that you're asking the question probably tells me that you are really involved. It's the people who don't ask. <laughs> I tend to worry about the fact that you're concerned means you're probably a great committee member. Well, we'll see, but I hope so. I love it here. <laughs> I like that question about the URR. I think we're seeing things changing that people are becoming more attentive to what they're supposed to be doing and mm -hmm. in closer attention. And it probably needed to happen. Yeah, I do. I will say this. I'm one of the CAO reviewers and we do see a portion of the papers that come through still have track changes in it. And that seems like the biggest thing that I'm seeing hmm. since we got rid of the URR. Um, so everybody should check that. <laughs> Because it gets sent back. And which That's is a good call. Yeah, sometimes what happens is that students remove the track changes, but when you open in your uh, word, it shows the track changes, right? So they are thinking everything is done. I've had one student back and forth like three times, and finally uh, she removed the track changes, you know, submitted, got approval. But I've had situations where in their the side they turn it off it doesn't show up in their document it shows up in my document right so this is a good point because i have experienced myself with my one of these students i take advantage of the fact that i have to do the reconciliation i clean up the document all over again yeah. uh, all over again because when i was first started i had a couple bounce back i was kind of embarrassed and i thought okay so now i have a little cheat sheet that tells me how to clean the document and i make sure that i take every bit of change out clean it at reconciliation and then, and now, now in our case, without the UR, it goes right to CAO. Right. So the bottom line of it is, as chair, you have the accountability of picking up that role. And we added that into their description on the nursing side. You got to scrub it one last time before it goes up. And so, um, and just in case the committee members should add something, but then you scrub it and send it. But that's a good point, Lee. I yeah. think that's something that I'll I'm writing down now to take back to the team, and we'll make sure that we're working on that. Morris, it looks like you wanted to ask a question. Uh, actually, more of a comment. First, I wanted to compliment the panel. It's a tremendous panel. I really enjoyed it. It's great insight. As a qualitative researcher, I just marked several units of meaning, like keywords that you're sharing with us. Well, keep you honest, involvement, engagement. It's a team, shared understanding. Don't be afraid to disagree report accountability so it's really tremendous and just reflecting on my own experience because i had a privilege and the pleasure of working on committees with both gary and raj and both as a chair and then a committee member and i think the way we worked it was really a, a, a tremendous experience was that we were a team before being a team became popular right not not only and <laughs> going before and beyond the formal roles of who's the chair who's the second committee member 
And I think one of the keys to success of the committee, and I agree with Bob, it's a team. It's It should be a team approach. It's important how to move the team forward. And it's a student-centric approach. But I mean, when we have complementary competencies rather than setting aside your ego, as Bob said, right, not overlapping competencies, then it, it seems that it's kind of a source of, and it's a key for success. For example, Gary has a, a tremendous expertise in nonprofit management and board development and Raj in uh, industry management, business development. So I would always defer to them for those areas. And then they would defer to me for some uh, methodology issues, for how to collect data, what should be the research design. But then as a team, this compatibility and this complementarity of competencies, it, 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 it ensures success for the student. And I think Gary Berthold, uh, he did the study, what is the exemplary chair at Walden how we get students to finish in time. I think now the new approach should be how we get the entire committee as a team to be successful in ensuring student su success. And I, I comment on also Michelle Brown's, this pilot, when they have these committee members matching because be beyond personalities, also the committee members, they have to match and to complement their competencies. But Thank you so much for sharing your experiences. Great insights. Thank you all. Thank you, Maurice. Uh, miss working with you. I wish you come back to our program. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Raj. Appreciate it. <laughs> you know, one of the things in building teams, since that's such a theme throughout this whole conversation, and it's kind of an aside, a little bit of a, um, oh gosh, what do I want to say? Um, having worked in residencies for so long, it's, it's helpful to build a team when you've had an opportunity to see people either on Zoom or better yet, even face-to-face. -face. And in the old days, we used to be face-to-face -face at residencies. So we really got to know each other as people yeah. so that then later when we were on committees, we already had that relationship. So I got to know Morris, Dr. Bedrano at, at residencies. So I feel you know really comfortable and I know his great expertise with qualitative research and that's helpful. So I, that's one thing I miss a little bit. I'm a little wistful of that looking backwards that having those opportunities to work together either on Zoom or again, face-to-face -face, helps us kind of solidify later when we when we reconvene as teams and committee members. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, to anyone. It does. Oh, yes. but it yeah. does. Yeah. I miss oh, that. Okay, this is how we met at the residency. This is how we met and worked for so many years together. So, right. Yeah. Right. So we're about out of time. Um, we do have a couple of people that had questions. If you want to send it to either me or to a particular panel member, I'm sure they would be thrilled to answer it for you. Um, I want to thank our panelists. You guys are, were amazing. I think we should just bottle you up and share you all across the whole university. I am doing a guidebook. Um, of all of the things that come up as far as different tips and ideas. And I will be happy to add in all of stuff we talked about today, as well as anything that showed up in the chat. Or if you have ideas that you didn't get to talk about, you're welcome to send those to me and I'll add those in. So thank you so much. And thank you, Lita, for all that you do.
Thank you, Lee. And thanks to my yeah. colleagues. Working together have been fun. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Thank you. And please keep in mind, today's session is being recorded and it will be available in Commons. And Lee also uh, transfers, transfers it into a wonderful podcast so you can listen to it on the road as well. Thanks, everyone. Great conversation today. We look forward to seeing you at the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast was sponsored by Walden University's Office of Research and Doctoral Services. Our music was by Excel Music Publishing, licensed under Creative Commons. Mm -hmm.